reaction was very broad and totally acidic. Sean, are you here? Shawnee boy. Well, while I'm trying to figure that out, let me just introduce you guys to the show. Harry Broadhurst has lost his smile, so he will not be here tonight. However, I've brought somebody that's going to help out and probably do a little bit better than I would um, on my own, simply because talking to myself just feels weird. All right, let's see if he's there. Sean? Hey, what's up? There he is. What's going on? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, uh, been watching Raw and talking about it. Yeah. Raw was on tonight. It was an interesting show, to say the least, especially considering the last two to three weeks haven't exactly been up to snuff. Um, so, you know, I said a little earlier, Harry's not going to be here tonight. Um, I made a joke that he lost his smile, but in reality, he's just got something to do with. I really can't say anything considering the amount of weeks that I've taken off. In fact, you may have been on this show just as many times as I have, and I'm the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between me and Paul, I think we've been on here plenty of times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I mean, let's get right into it. Um the uh, the the I, I want to say it was the focal point of the show, but it wasn't really considering the way that Raw ended. However, if we're to take the main event of Night of Champions as seriously as they want us to, then what we should start off by talking about is uh, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Heyman interaction of tonight. Um, so I'll just recap it, and then you can kind of give me your thoughts on it and lead into the um, the the thread that went throughout the show, culminating in the eventual clash of both Brock and Cena. So what we had was Heyman coming out to open the show, which is almost always welcome considering he's, you know, a promo king. Uh, he didn't really say anything of note. Uh, Cena came out, interrupted him, said that he had, what did he say? He had, last week he had eight, it was a lot of numbers. It was like a, uh, you know, just a, a really awkward He had 24 promo. hours to deliver Brock or something. And... With eight something and, you know, three minutes and HLA and there was a lot of madness going on. Yeah. Anyways, he said that Brock needed to show up and during halftime, which is uh, this week's, you know, word of the day. I think they're going to be doing every Monday. Um, and, and, you know, we basically the opening segment was setting up later on in the show. Um, 
to start with, I'll just say that I didn't find it intriguing at all. I didn't think it added anything. I think that everything could have worked out um, without it. However, it did lead to a, backsta- a few backstage segments where Cena um, asked Kali to stand in front of the door that Heyman was in. Uh, he ended up locking Heyman in his own locker room and apparently locked a cameraman in there as well so that we can see Heyman unable to call Brock Lesnar. Um, which culminated in Brock and Cena clashing. Now, before I get to that part, let me just ask you, did you think the, you know, the opening segment worked? Is it another, you know, tried and true thing that they were just going for? Did it add anything? Or was it just a piece of a bigger puzzle that only worked because of it? That last part is the piece of the bigger puzzle uh, that works because of the stuff they did after the opening segment. Yeah, I'm going to coincide with that. I mean, that, that's obviously why I said it, because I felt at least one version of those. But um, I, as it stands on its own, it was an opening segment that didn't do much. Cena didn't say anything new. Heyman didn't say anything new. Um, we've been here before. But it added to the backstage moments where Kali broke a fake phone, which was very obvious considering the the apps were shown on the screen. I don't know if you caught that, but they weren't exactly uh, hiding the fact that that phone wasn't real. And then we got a little bit more, um, <clears throat> a little bit more into the show with uh, the second time they came to the ring, and Heyman kind of did the whole, you know, goading Cena into becoming, you know, a part of the dark side, and went all Star Wars on his ass. I have to love that part. Heyman does that so well uh, to the point where once again he makes you think towards the end. And I mean. I think we all know at this point it would take something way more than Heyman to get him to do that. But it, if there's one person that makes you believe, like, dang, for a second, you know, John Cena's going to do it, and then uh, he doesn't. But I, I just love the interaction that Heyman has where he has that passion to really make John Cena want to go to the dark side. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Cena does his part well, selling it to the point where, yeah, unless you're like us, that you really – pay attention to what Cena says and everything. You, you believe it for a second. Yeah, Heyman tends to have the... Uh, the in, in wrestling, particularly with Cena, there's a level of reality that you simply can't accept. You have to just go with it. But Heyman tends to bring the real world into it to the point where you're like, well, shit, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in this particular segment, whatever segment he may be a part of. And it, it's really helped. Um, to add to the severity of the match that's going to happen. I mean, the crowd was, in, by the time Brock came out, the crowd was into it um, big time. So let me ask you, the, did the, the end result where they clashed and they, they, they tangled a little bit, did that work for you in terms of getting to the pay-per-view this Sunday? I think it did work. Uh, it worked for me in that you had the tremendous stuff with, with Heyman to kind of segue into it. He makes Cena so mad to the point where he pushes him, and then immediately, as soon as the physical contact happens, oh, here comes Brock Lesnar. I think we all knew he was there. It's just a matter of fact that when he was going to show up. And then Cena goes right at them. It's, it's not this play around, you know, oh, let's stare at each other forever. We just go at it. And then, you know, they kind of do the thing where Brock just walks away like most heels do. So, uh, you know, it was it was perfect to me. I, th- I thought it was it sold the pay-per-view. just should have happened at the end, not, you know, at the hour before the end. Right, and it, what's interesting is they thought it was important enough to recap 
um, and, and I'll mention this a little bit more in detail later in the show, but they, they recap that particular segment. And, again, I don't want to get too much into the main event slot, but there was a reason why they did it. I mean, look how close we were to 9-11 and everything, but I, I got to assume that you didn't really feel it was in the right spot. And if that's the case, then I'm going to have to agree with you completely. Um, it was a, it just seemed a, seemed a bit too blatant. And you know that that's you know WWE mo. They do things where it's not smooth. It's not like oh that was pretty cool or oh man I feel so patriotic. It's like eye rolling inducing. <clears throat> oh well, I mean they did it well with a swagger and Rusev the first time they had that. Like you know, talk between Zeb and Lana. After that, it just became forced. And then even right. then, without Zeb doing the talking, Mark Mark Henry's just not that guy, and it was just really <laughs> awkward the whole time. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say that uh, the uh, <coughs> excuse me that the best part about um, I mean, you know, the interaction between Heyman and Cena. We've been seeing it for the last few weeks, and I'm really glad that it's coming to an end, just because there's only so much that we can take of the same thing, even regardless of how awesome Heyman is. It's just they don't. They don't work. They work well together, but you can tell it's it's mostly Heyman goading Cena into certain um, statements. Last week was just blasé. This week only worked because of the fact that you know Brock was actually there. Um, so I I was sold on the match before this, so this didn't really change on how much I wanted to see it or not see it. However, there I, I, they did it right. They had to. I mean, we have to say that they did it right. The, the crowd was chanting yes, like hugely. Um, to for for Cena to turn and it's just it's really interesting to realize how well they know us and how much we think they don't. A lot of the times we and I mean the collective we think that they have no idea what we want. They have no idea what to do. They they suck at writing. And then these are the glimpses. These are the small moments where I I think to myself they know exactly what the hell that we want. They're just not going to do it. And this and to pertaining to Cena turning heel or even showing any sense of attitude. Yeah, I mean, you could tell it was obviously, it, it wasn't this, it's still the collective we of the adult males, of which is still not WWE's uh, key demographic right now. And yeah. I don't know that we're ever going to get to the point where those kids are going to boo Cena to where WWE might feel comfortable doing it. You know, of course, reports coming out of, oh, well, they're doing it for, well no duh, they're not doing it for financial reasons. It's just the whole there's got to be a time and a place for it, really. There's got to be a point to Cena turning heel. I mean, when Hogan turned heel, there was a new movement starting with NWO and whatever. You're going to have to like have a reason to do it. You're going to have to change your PG era completely, all that stuff. You can't just go, okay, we're going to switch Cena for no reason, and then here we go. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, so I'm I, I think Hogan. Um, I'm glad he brought up Hogan. That's that's pretty much my my go-to answer pertaining to a possible Cena heel turn. Um, wrestling itself, as as young as it may be in terms of years that it's been around, it's still very cyclical. And these kids that are fans of John Cena, they're, at this point, they're growing up. I mean, you know, and I use my brothers as the perfect litmus test for all of this. You know, right now, one just turned a... <clears throat> one just turned 13 and one just turned 11, and they, you can see their attitudes changing towards who they like and why they like them to the point where, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, in our time, I believe, well, you're in your, what, 20s, early 20s, around there, and in our time during the Attitude Era, it was cool 
to wear a rock t-shirt. It was awesome to wear a Stone Cold 316 shirt. You would get in trouble at school if it said, I just whipped your ass. Like, it was, it was a, a rebellious type awesomeness to walk around and tell your friends to suck it. You know, <laughs> now, now you're just not going to see that. You're, you're not going to see these kids do that. However, I do believe that eventually the WWE is going to alter their, their entire mindset yet again if they want to survive. And whether it's more of a reality-based, ruthless aggression, a mixture of those two, or something that we just haven't seen yet, I think, and I hope, that soon there's going to be some type of some type of alter, um, alteration. Yeah, I'm hoping for that too. But I think uh, <laughs> you know we we just have to be patient and remember that all this didn't happen in a day. And you have to remember too that without competition, is there going to be something that's going to force Studi's hand to do it? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> speaking of uh, you know forceful hands, I have somebody calling me saying that. Uh, they have not lost their smile, and they want to talk about. We're gonna basically we're gonna cut the show short to talk about the Night of Champions pay per view. Um, I figured we'll give our predictions right now so that we can close the raw reaction proper with the actual final reaction. Um, so without further ado, let's bring on our guest. You're only a guest tonight because any other night you'd be the co-host. Hello, Harry. Gee, thanks, Johnny. Great introduction. <laughs> What's up, guys? Chilling. Terry, good to hear from you. Yeah, unfortunately, a personal matter took me away from the show this evening, and I want to thank Sean for stepping up last minute and filling in for me after your original co-host bailed on you. For yeah. the record, I did not lose my I did not lose my smile. I just temporarily misplaced it behind the dumpster at Benny Hanna's. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you guys get back to the actual raw reaction itself here because I'm sure you guys still have plenty of show to talk about. But let's go ahead and do our Night of Champions pay-per-view predictions. Hey, Lucero, by the way, scoreboard, 3-1. I'm, I'm, I'm beating you by two? That's so awesome. Uh, other way around there, homie. You're down 3-1. to one. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> Sean, feel free to join in if you want to. I'm sure you guys sure. will be doing your predictions on wrestling to the max this week. Yeah, we will, but I have no problem giving them out early. I think I was – it was one of these pay-per-views I was on before, so. Yeah. I actually think it might have been SummerSlam because I think Tony got called into work that night. Yeah, exactly. Or was it – no, it wasn't SummerSlam. It was yeah, – uh, I think it was Money in the Bank. Yeah, because Tony got called into work and he ended up having to do his predictions in the 5-1. and one. All right, so let's go yeah. ahead and get to it here. Let's start the Night of Champions predictions here. And we'll start with probably the match I'm looking most forward to. Let's start with the U.S. title, Sheamus and Cesaro. The storyline behind it hasn't been the greatest, but let's be honest here. They give them ten minutes to beat the crap out of each other, and I think we're going to be happy. I think Cesaro wins the belt. Apparently the brass, the powers that be in the WWE, not the powers that were Russo and the Harris boys in WCW, but... The powers that be on, in the WWE have kind of cooled on Sheamus lately. So I think that this would be the opportunity to kind of get Cesaro back into a push, back into a rhythm, and start building him back up for potentially a run at the, uh, if, not the if not the lower main card, the at least the upper mid card. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Cesaro here. Tony, who you got? Uh, yeah, I, I do agree. I feel that maybe if, um, you know, 
at one time, you know. I, I think that this match may be the possibility for Sheamus to become red hot. No? Okay. No, um, I think Cesaro's going to win. I hope he wins. I don't um, I don't know what the hell they're doing with him. I don't think they know what they're doing with him. But if this is a possibility of a new beginning for him, then I would just really, I would really enjoy him winning, taking the U.S. title and making it something. Sheamus hasn't done anything. Uh, nobody really does, though. I mean, what do you really expect from that title uh, or that title holder? But in regards to predictions, I'm going to go with Cesaro. Sean, who you got? I'm going with Cesaro, too. I just don't see an avenue where Sheamus makes any sense unless they just want to keep things status quo, which I guess wouldn't matter because that title's been doing nothing. I mean, at first, Sheamus was defending it. At least it was against it was against Del Rio, but he was defending it, and he was doing stuff with it. And now it's just gone back to, okay, well, Sheamus is your champion. He loses all the time, which makes no sense to me, but that's something for another day. Uh, Cesaro seems like they're going somewhere with him. He uh, at least has a purpose, it seems. And I hope that they take him and go, okay, we know what Cesaro does. He likes to wrestle. So let's make him a fighting, even though he's a heel, a fighting champ. And maybe you can turn him that way. For the Sheamus heel turn that had been rumored, too. I mean, I don't know if going off when Cesaro after the match will be the reaction, get the reaction that they wanted to get from the fans there, but... Going down the line, I think this might be the first step in, along that line there. And Cesaro has more upside at this point than Sheamus does, I think. Cesaro's a better promo, he's a better storyteller in the ring, and he's probably a better top-to-bottom worker as well. All right, let's move on here, and we continue on with the Intercontinental title as Dolph Ziggler, maybe with or without our Ziggler, we don't know, taking on The Miz, who will definitely be with Damian Mizdow. Um, I think they're, yeah, it's kind of a tough one. I think, you know, at first glance, you think that they're going to give the Miz a shot, but ever since the Miz came back, he's kind of been, um, he's been the jobber that doesn't know that he's a jobber, and I think that's going to continue uh, coming out of champions. I think Ziggler's going to walk away with the belt and face somebody else. Uh, You know, you and I have talked about how the best part of all this is Sandow being able to adapt to pretty much any situation. Our truth tonight, it was kind of funny, but... um, I hope it never happens again. Um, <laughs> but in regards to Miz versus Ziggler, I think it's I think Sando's going to play a part, but not a significant enough part for Miz to win the belt. So I'll go with Ziggler. Sean, who yeah, you got? it would be stupid for Miz. It would be stupid for Miz to win the title at this point. And I, I I think Ziggler gives you your best shot of it meaning anything. Again, this is one of those. Does that be care if it means anything? I think the Miz character can get over without the title. I thought that on the opposite the first time when he lost it, but with Sandow, I think it's been such an actual, like, makes me want to watch The Miz when him and Sandow come out, as opposed to before, uh, that I think Ziggler letting him also be one of these kind of fighting champs, defended against everybody, do what he does, which is wrestle and uh, inspire people by doing crazy stuff, uh is going to make people want to keep watching him and keep cheering for him. So I think uh, Ziggler retains. Um, I think Ziggler retains as well. And honestly, I think the only reason that they're really doing anything with Sandow with Miz is they're actually planning on having Sandow feud with Miz. And this is something that Tony and I touched on last week here on The Reaction, that I think that this is just kind of an angle for Sandow to get him something to do along the lines of how Miz had the former protege angle with Alex Riley. 
So I don't think that the Miz and Sandow angle, if that's going to go forward, actually needs the Intercontinental title. Plus, if you believe the rumor mill that's been going around, it's Dolph Ziggler and Bray Wyatt coming up as well, which could be a lot of fun to go through as well. But then again, I thought that about Wyatt and Jericho as well. We all know how that turned out. Mm -hmm. A good cage match last week, but otherwise disappointing. Let's actually touch on Mr. Jericho next, since I just brought him up. Let's go to Randy Orton versus Chris Jericho and what many are... What has been rumored to be Jericho's swan song for this current run in the WWE, with him going back out on tour with Fozzie. Sean, why don't you go ahead and go first here? Oh, it's Orton. Uh, there'd be no point for Jericho to win with him leaving. Uh, if you believe the whole Orton being sad and drinking, then obviously this would be his step to going back to the main event or whatever they have. You know, they're going to do with him. Uh, should be a good match, hopefully. And you get Orton winning. Yeah, um, um, Matt, we're all we're all in agreement here. I, I feel that Orton's going to win this too. It, it's just logical. There's really not a good enough reason for Jericho to take the win. Um, he's uh, you know he's on his way out allegedly, and uh, even if he wasn't on his way out, um, Randy Orton is presumably higher on the card than Jericho is, and Jericho's kind of the uh, untouchable. He's, he's at a part in his career where he can lose every week and he'll be fine. Um, I know that's a bit of an exaggeration, but there's a lot of truth behind it. <clears throat> and we can see that by how many times he's lost and who he loses to. I don't see, um, I don't see um, Orton losing um, to Jericho at all, really. I, I think Orton's going to take this one because he's the one that's going to be around a little bit longer and Jericho will disappear and then come back again and make us happy as he usually does. I'm actually going to be the contrarian here. I think Jericho wins and then Orton punts him after the match to get his heat back and write Jericho out until Jericho decides that he wants to return again, if he does decide he wants to return again. Well, I, I don't think you he's going to be any kind of... Say what? <laughs> well, check you out. <laughs> you have an interesting take on it. And the other thing, shot. too, that I... The other thing, too, about this year is that, as you said, Jericho is above, Jericho is below Orton in terms of standings here. But the thing is, is Jericho is considered to be on Orton's level by many fans as well because of the fact that Jericho has the long-standing history with the WWE. And he's been around for so long, and he has such a strong fan base behind him here that I don't think even the Orton fans would be upset about Jericho picking up the win here and then Orton riding him off with a punt kick after a post-match attack. Hmm. They do have that history with Orton punting him and all that. Yeah, and it would be more believable for Jericho to leave that way. Great. Great way to make sense, Harry. Great. Well, you you always complain about me and my fantasy booking. So I actually haven't had a chance to watch Raw tonight, but I've heard that this segment main evented Raw. Let's talk about Mark Henry and Rusev. Go ahead, Sean. Oh, this segment of animating <laughs> Raw stuck in my craw. Anyway, uh, Rusev wins. Uh, Rusev the racist is back, and he should beat another man. Uh, I I don't see how Mark Henry, if Jack Flagger even beat him, I don't know how Mark Henry beating him is going to be any better for Rusev. I think it's another big feather in the cap for, uh, for, for Rusev, and then maybe he can move on to Big Show for the next pay-per-view if 
Brock Lesnar is not going to be Big Show's opponent. Yeah, um, Henry stood tall this, um, you know, at the end of the segment, and um, they wanted to, you know, send us Americans home happy, I guess. But uh, so, you know, Booking 101 says that Henry loses. He's the one that stood tall. But I don't know. I'm going to go with Mark Henry, not because I'm sitting here cheering for him, but because it seems to me that they've really booked themselves into a, uh, a patriotic corner, if you will. WWE really prides themselves on being about the troops and about America and, you know, they're so close to 9-11, which is, again, why I think that main event, um, why that segment was at the main event. Um, so I think that they're going to give us that that win. The way, you know, Jack Swagger, it, feels, it felt like his being for the people and for America was a gimmick. Uh, Mark Henry, as it feels like they're really trying to force it to be real. Um, I know they did the same thing with Swagger, but that's kind of been his thing the whole time. Henry's just become this, oh, I, I'm doing this for America. And I think because of that, that they're going to make him win. I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. I think Rusev should win um, just because he's he's done nothing but impress me. So I feel he kind of deserves it. But I'm going to go with Mark Henry. see Mark Henry winning this match, and the reason being is that the, uh, the whole Cena rumors hanging over Rusev's head. And if that is the plan here, and you have an undefeated Rusev going into that match, it's going to make it all the more important when him and Cena finally square off. Now, what they decide to do in the match with him and Cena is anybody's guess. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all probably know how it ends, but they could surprise us there. On the road to that match, though, I don't see it happening, and I really honestly think that Rusev picks up the win here. I'm going to make the same prediction that I made going into Battleground. Rusev Rusev wins, but it's nothing near clean. And as far as the whole... 9-11 thing, wouldn't you have thought they'd have done that on the 9-12 SmackDown instead? Nobody watches SmackDown but you, Harry. And me. <laughs> Tony's insulting the fact that we don't have personal lives on Friday nights. <laughs> oh. Not all of I'm us not. can be getting people drunk for Mountain Dew, Tony. You know what? <laughs> I love my job. <laughs> Well, SmackDown is the big repeat show, so, you know. Speaking of people who, reasons why Tony loves his job, let's talk about the Divas title match. Oh, God. <laughs> um, go ahead. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to just, uh, go ahead, you can start. Oh, Lord. I'm really worried that somehow... I, the only thing that makes me like a little bit, you know, not so worried about is that Bree hasn't been added to the match yet. So there's still a big chance that Bree comes in and costs Nikki the belt, even though Triple Threats, whenever they want them to, don't have DQs. So there's a chance that Paige or AJ still walk away with the belt. But uh, somewhere in me here thinks that Nikki's supposed to win this. And it's going to become more of a Bella versus Bella thing, and then it really becomes about the title because Nikki has it. Okay, so Paige and AJ can handle an entire storyline without the title, okay? And if we remove them from the title, it's really not that big of a deal as much as I feel that they were doing such a great thing to the title. They were bringing legitimacy to it. They were doing everything right. 
they had a storyline that people were interested in. They had moments where it was uh, it was something that we could invest our time into. Once they threw the Bellas in there, you knew, or at least I knew, or assumed to say the least, that it was just gonna it was leaving. That it was time for the title to go back to where the money was, and the money is in the number one rated show on E, which is the Total Divas. That's where the money is. Paige and AJ, they bring in money maybe through merchandise. They're the storylines that we want to see, not necessarily the ones that everybody else does. Total Divas is where the money is. So I, I really do think that if not Sunday, pretty fucking soon, one of the Bellas is going to get the belt, and AJ and Paige are going to be removed from it. I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I even wrote in the report tonight that their match tonight wasn't bad, but I think it was because Paige had control of the entire match. I mean, the newest girl there was the ring general of the night. That's crazy. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say that AJ wins because I wouldn't be Tony if I didn't. Um, and I'm just going to talk to her before the match on Sunday and let her know that we're just going to go off the script and take the belt home. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Anyway, um, as much as I hate to do it, I have to agree with Sean here. I think Nikki Bella walks out with the title. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it physically pains me to say that, but I honestly think Nikki Bella walks out with the title because I think they're, they're going to want to build towards Nikki and Bree probably at Survivor Series. Because I don't imagine them wasting a one-on-one, the first one-on-one singles match between the two of them at a B show like Hell in a Cell. Yeah. So I, I hear that these guys actually faced on Raw tonight. I, as I said, I haven't had a chance to watch the show. I was taking care of the girlfriend. But I hear Reigns and Rollins actually had a singles match on Raw tonight. A, can somebody enlighten me as to why that was a good idea? And B, who you got Sunday? Um, it wasn't a good idea, but it was a good match. Um, <laughs> I, I had, I enjoyed it. I think that Seth Rollins is continuously the person that brings out the best in everyone that he faces from RVD to Reigns. And, um, it, the match itself was good. However, there was a decisive end. There was a clean finish and they're having a pay-per-view match in, five, in six days. I didn't understand that. I don't get it. I don't think that they they care anymore about pay-per-views because it doesn't bring in the same revenue as it used to, if I'm correct. Uh, that's, that's my assumption. That's my thinking behind it. That it's simply not that big of a deal to them anymore. Um, and that's a shame because this match should have been something huge. They tried to throw it out as huge, but um, it just didn't – it felt like a, a main event of Raw, yes. But it – I don't know. It felt like they maybe took a lot of energy out of the pay-per-view. Unless, of course, we have Ambrose coming back, which then everyone will forgive. I just don't think that they went the right route. So in regards to who's going to win, I think Reigns gets another win over Rollins with the help of Ambrose. Uh, I'm actually going to pick Rollins, and then Ambrose makes a save from the post-match attack. Mm -hmm. I think that, and this is going counterproductive towards the earlier prediction with Jericho winning and then Orton attacking after the match here, but I think this is the one that the fans in the arena are really going to like because you have... You have Rollins sneak out a victory, help from Kane, help from Morton, help from whoever else the authority decides to send down to help Seth Rollins out. And then I think you have Seth Rollins set up Roman Reigns for the same situation that Dean Ambrose found himself in with the cinder blocks and the, and the blackout into them, or sorry, 
the, the curb stomp, they're calling it. It used to be the blackout in NXT. And then that's when you have Ambrose make the save through the crowd. No music, no entrance, just through the crowd, spearing Seth and taking him down. You'll get yourself an amazing reaction from the live crowd. You'll have the internet community back worked up again because obviously Ambrose is a favorite, is a darling of the IWC right now. And it's a way to give Rollins a much-needed win to help him keep his credibility as the Money in the Bank contract holder. Mm. I like where you're going with this, Harry. Uh, that's <laughs> my thought on it, is that... Uh, this it, it seems like they set this up. Reigns gets his win on Raw so that when he loses on a pay-per-view, he doesn't look bad because this is a rematch and it's okay. Uh, this is the only way that it made sense for me for them to have this match on Raw. I didn't like it. I don't like the fact that... I mean, I don't know what else they could really do different during the match unless they cut the match real short, which I would hate because I hate it when they do this. But, uh, you know, to have all the big old aftermatch and all that. But it, it, it to me, it, it makes that's, – that's one of the biggest selling points of the pay-per-view aside from, you know, Lesnar and Cena. And and uh, you're you're cutting that, that off at the – you know, I've, for lack of a better word, you're cutting it off at the balls because you want to – you want to just have it on Raw, and it, it's like kudos to them for having all these new guys on the main event of Raw or in the main event is, but it's not helping your pay per view, and you still got, that's one of your biggest selling points of the network, and it's not, you know, helping you there. Carry on and continue here, I'm running a little bit behind from what I'd like to have been for you guys, and I apologize for these taking so long here, but I'm in, I'm enjoying the discussion. Let's talk about the tag title match: the Usos versus Cold Dust and Stardust. Now I saw a I saw a prediction by somebody online. I don't remember who it was, but I saw a prediction that with the Ascension losing the tag titles on Thursday night at NXT TakeOver 2, that this would be the perfect opportunity to have the Ascension come up to the main roster, cost the Usos the tag titles tonight, or get involved with the Usos in some way, shape, form, or fashion during the course of the match. And Tony and I have both said here previously on the reaction that we've been really enjoying how they've been building up Gold Dust and Stardust especially the out-of-nowhere heel turn that caught both of us by surprise. So I'm going to guess that they're going to go ahead and give the tag titles to the Brothers Dust at this pay-per-view and that the Ascension is in some way, shape, form, or fashion involved in the decision of this match. Tony, who you got? Um, Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with the uh, Goldust and Stardust going forward with the belt. Um, we talked about it last week how, if done right, this thing can go on for quite a while and not be boring and do really well. Um, and uh, I see that happening. I, I don't know about the Ascension. I don't know whether they're gonna come or not, come up or not. Um, I, I think that if they did, it'd be really cool. I think they've done their time and they um, they've done a lot to perfect their gimmick from what I've seen because I haven't seen everything that they've done. Uh, but in in regards to the actual match itself, yeah, it's time for the Usos to, you know, chill out a little bit without the belts, maybe get a little bit of a refresher, and um, time for the evil Gold Dust and Sardis to do their thing. Uh, if I'd have to say, I sort of it. I've got I'm kind of in a pickle here because I can see both sides in that. If you didn't have Goldust and Stardust turn, I think it would easily say the Usos, but because you had that turn, 
it kind of seems counterproductive to continue the same thing over and over because you already did an injury angle, a thing to make the turn kind of sort of happen out of nowhere, and then Jay was kind of like magically cured on, on Raw, and <laughs> then you're kind of heading into the match. After this, it's like, what do you do? If if uh, the Usos win again, where do you go with this storyline? I mean, are they going to lose the Cosmic Key and have to find it again? I mean, seriously. It, it makes more sense for the Dust Brothers to win, and then you have Navy the Usos chase for Hell in a Cell, and then after that, you can bring the Ascension in, and they can battle with the the Usos at Survivor Series, or you have a big old uh, Ascension and Dust Brothers team against the Usos and whoever else team or whatever. I just it's it's as you guys just said here. It's I don't understand the point of turning the Brothers Dust heel here and then doing absolutely nothing but cutting them off at the knees by having them lose this title match. Had them get physical advantages on both the Jimmy and Jay during the course of the build-up to this match here, and then what you're going to do is you're going to Wyatt family them if you have them drop the taxable tag title match to the Usos at the pay-per-view. I just I don't understand the logical thinking behind that, but this is WWE creative we're talking about, so sometimes logic kind of goes out the back window. All right, main event time, boys. Brock, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, three. Sean, go ahead and go first. Oh, Lord. Uh, you know what? It should be Brock Lesnar. I'm going to say it's going to be Brock Lesnar. Uh, there is, I don't think there is a good thing that comes out of Cena winning at all. He gets his 16th title, and then what? Does nothing for no one, because what do you do the rest of the time? Lesnar needs to be your dominant champion going into WrestleMania, and you have somebody beat him, whether it's Reigns or somebody else. Uh, I, I don't see how Cena winning the title and then maybe losing it later to whoever else is going to help anyone. And it l- totally ruins what she did with Brock, him winning the streak or whatever. I know there's a big old rumor going around of everybody's worried about Cena winning, but I, I just can't see it. Like I don't see how it makes sense for, for anything in what WWE has done at all in the past year for Cena to win here. So I think Cena puts up a much bigger fight. It's a much closer match. The closest match that they've had from the other two, and Brock just comes up. Maybe it's Paul Heyman that has to kind of help him out, and and Brock wins that way. But whatever, Brock's winning. (laughs) Uh, I agree that Brock's going to win, and I I agree with Sean's logic, uh, how there is lack of logic with Cena winning. Um, you know, if we're to believe the rumors that they don't want to turn Cena heel due to financial, um, you know, just the fact that they don't want any strife financially, then, you know, it's it's almost counterproductive to make Cena the champion. Um, the long, you know, long-standing adage is that the money is in the chase, and what better way for Cena to make more, to sell more merchandise, to be the the vulnerable hero that I believe he should be. Um, even at the top of the card, than for him to lose. And not only that, but the first match, not the first match, but the match match most recently that they had together, it was a slaughter. It was a complete slaughter. You can't go from that to just winning. This isn't Rocky II, okay? This is a WWE, and Cena getting the the win just isn't going to help anyone, including the WWE. So I'm hoping they're smart enough to just add some new element to where Cena is actually able to fight him they're at an equal standing. They're at a, a position where there's 
there's footing there that Cena's not just going to get squashed, but at the same time, he still loses. I'm going to go with the Brock win, and I, I hope that they keep it that way. I think it's intriguing having him as a champion. Seeing him come out tonight was, it wasn't goosebump inducing. It wasn't that great, but it was still an awesome moment where you're like, son of a bitch, he's here. You know, and that feeling, I mean, we never, we don't have that anymore for the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Well, guess what? We do now. And if they keep doing it right, then it's going to continue to be a big a big moment every time it comes out. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, a legit just, champ. Like, you, when when he comes out, you're like, holy crap, it's Brock Lesnar. Like, damn, he should be <laughs> champ, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the big selling point of keeping the title on Lesnar here is there's a level of legitimacy that he brings to holding the title there that... It's the, one of the few guys that you look at inside of the WWE and you go, yeah, he could probably legitimately fuck up everybody else in the company. <laughs> and it's going to be a case of whoever is the person to finally defeat him is going to be made a superstar, and it doesn't need to be a guy who's already a 15-time champion. Yeah. But Cena has to have equal footing with him or anybody else that wrestles Brock. It's going to look totally like no way anybody else could come up to Brock's level if Cena gets beat like he did at SummerSlam again. I don't think you can book the match the same way as you did with the SummerSlam match. I think the SummerSlam match was one of those rare once-in-a-lifetime opportunities where we finally got to see a more vulnerable side to Cena, even though it didn't really translate too much going forward. But it's a case of Cena actually being made to look vulnerable for once, made Brock Lesnar look even stronger, and gave him even more of that aura of, holy shit, what an ass-kicker. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Brock Lesnar as well, and I'm going to hope that exactly what you guys are saying happens. If the match is on even footing, but Lesnar wins. I would even go as far as to have Heyman cost Cena, Heyman cost Cena the match and then give Cena somebody else to feud with, with Heyman as the, as the person's advocate. This would be the perfect time for me as well to realign Heyman with a guy like the Cesaro, especially if the U.S. title goes on to Cesaro. Now, that's not to say that I want the U.S. champion jobbing to John Cena on a regular basis, but... Get the U.S. title some credibility by putting its champion into competitive matches with Cena. Not necessarily slaughters, but competitive matches, and I think that can do some more to help rebuild the credibility of the United States title as well. Uh, that's going to about do it for the pay-per-view predictions here. I know you guys still have 45 minutes to catch up on the rest of the show here, so I'll let you get to it. If you don't mind, before I get going, I'd like to pay some bills. I'll take care of that bit for you while I'm on the phone. Yeah, go ahead. All right, I figured I would. The Raw Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with Pro Wrestling Powerhouse, www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. We are heard live every Monday night at 11.30, right after Raw, on blogtalkradio.com. In addition, myself, Harry, I work with Black Diamond Wrestling and Real Action Pro Wrestling as an announcer, backstage reporter, whatever else they need me to do, really. Tony, I know you're going to tell them about the stuff you do for 401. Sean, same with you guys. And, Sean, you also have Wrestling to the Match, which you can go ahead and make sure you get a, another good plug-in out there for you, Paul, and uh, Gary, before you guys get off the air here. And one other thing I wanted to say before I got off the air is, hey, Sean. Yes. You freaking beat me, you bastard. <laughs> well, take that, because my half my team was injured, so yeah, shows you I can draft better than team, you. Most of my <laughs> team didn't show up. 
I'm Harry Broderick, everybody. I will be back live next Monday night at 11.30 for the Raw Reaction. Enjoy Tony and Sean as they present the rest of the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Enjoy the rest of your show. Yep. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Bye, Felicia. Thank you very much, uh, Harry, for plugging what I probably would not have. Not because I don't want to. I'm just really lazy. Um, what I think we're going to do is I'll go ahead and do the first do that we have, um, talk about that, take a little bit of a break, and then uh, we'll come back and just kind of quick fire the show. Um, everything will stay the same. We're just going to go a little bit faster. Is that cool? Sounds good to me. All right. So I wanted to talk specifically about tonight's show. You know, every week we seem to have, well, at least me personally, we seem to have um, some sort of complaint about Raw. We, you know, I mean, it's IWC. It's what we do. We complain. We find something about a product that we love, and then we hammer it home until we feel better about it. There's, It's not a rarity for me. I try to say something positive every week. It's been really hard the past few weeks, but this week I did want to mention the fact that we had – on average, two to three less, two to three fewer matches tonight than we do every week prior to that. Um, just just off of some loose math, usually it's about anywhere from eight to ten matches on a three-hour raw. Tonight, I believe we had seven. Um, and what what I enjoyed is that each match had time, and there was nothing that was bad except for one, which I'll get to later. Um, all of the main matches, all of the stuff that we, we you know, had some sort of an investment into, everything that we saw as far as the, I mean, we opened with Jericho and Kane, and guess what? It was a good match. I mean, I haven't seen Kane look that good in years, literally years. Uh, I know a lot of it had to do with Jericho. Maybe he was just a bit more motivated tonight. Maybe his slacks were a little bit looser than usual. But it was a pretty damn good match, and, and that's very hard to, to see Kane doing. When I saw it was Jericho versus Kane, I kind of – you know, rolled my eyes and thought to myself, man, this is not going to be that good. Um, the, fluidity, the fluidity of the matches also worked well. The commercial breaks didn't hurt as much as it used to. For whatever reason, they were just really on point, where when you came back, you were right in the action. So I'm talking Jericho and Kane. I mean, even Bo Dallas and Swagger, it was kind of short. It wasn't bad. Even the tag match between the girls, like I said, they, Paige stayed the uh, – she towed the line. She stayed the – you know, she was the boss throughout the match and really helped. Bray Wyatt versus Big Show wasn't bad. I didn't like the ending of that, but it was a good match. The tag match was good. You know, the six-man, they're always good. So I really had no complaint save for one match of the evening. Um, again, I'll get to it, but I just wanted to applaud the WWE for actually putting on, at least in terms of a wrestling show, a pretty good Raw. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the wrestling was spot on tonight. Uh, the six man was really fun. Uh, enjoyed the crap out of it. Uh, the uh, Seth Rollins and Reigns match either gave us a really good primer for what can happen at the pay per view, or it's going to be our match and we don't get much of a match at the pay per view. One of the two. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, that's the first thing I came out of my mouth as soon as Kane and Jericho was over. Was like, damn, that was surprisingly good. Uh, yeah. And uh and you know anything that usually involves Kane you don't really say that much about that now. Uh and Brian Big Show uh, I think it got the finish I figured it would get. So and I, that's about that and Bo and Swagger went a little bit longer than I thought I was going to. So 
And same thing with what you said about the Divas. I mean, they just, uh, it wasn't, I was expecting worse, so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a testament to the show or a detriment to the reality that we just have such low expectations that we can look at a a Raw and say, man, that was pretty good compared to what they used to do. But, no, I really do, I stand by it. I think that they had some pretty good matches tonight, especially considering it was a Raw before pay-per-view. And, the show itself, this this ties in with, um, you know, just the fact that it just felt like they were focusing on what they had to focus on. What I mean, there was no Adam Rose, there was no Fluff, there was no Fandango. The only funny bits had something to do with Cena and Kali. They weren't funny, but they were intended to be funny. So there was no bullshit, basically. Um, they focused on what they had to, and I think that has a lot to do with the matches. The the It was a more driven towards the pay-per-view show, for the most part. So I just wanted to applaud them for that. Agreed. Yeah. And with that being said, what I'm going to do is go ahead and uh, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm going to play one of my favorite songs, and then we'll come back, uh, I want to say, in about three to four minutes. You ever meet a girl and think to yourself, she's the one. But as time goes on, you realize she ain't nothing but a host. When I met you, girl, it was love at first sight. Your hair looked so good, your dress was so tight. At first I was nervous, so quiet and shy. Wasn't sure if your type was a bro from L.I. I thought we'd be so made, like Bubba and Lime. Thought you'd be my girl till the end of time. You were my girlfriend for a couple of years. And even though I think about you every single day, you're not the one who got away, you are the one who walked away. 
Okay, so let's um, let's go back to um, well. Let, let me bring up my second do. Um, a complaint. This, this, you know, this second one it goes a lot with uh, my first one, where I wanted to say something positive about the WWE, mainly because we always harp on them for the negative, and this is in direct correlation to what we always harp on. At least me personally, for the past for the past few weeks, we have seen Recap City. Like I'm talking. They show you what you saw five minutes ago, five minutes from now, and it's annoying, and it gets repetitive, and you know that they're only doing it to kill time because they don't know how to properly, uh, you know, book an entire three-hour show, which is something they've been doing for years now. They still don't know how to do it right. Tonight, they did it right. I don't believe we had one recap except for the very end of the show where they recapped what happened between Cena and Heyman in the beginning of the show. That that one made sense. It was logical. They gave us a, a, a recap of the entire show as well as the middle, just to kind of give us how the show should have ended, and I think they realize that. Other than that, we didn't get just this, you know, we didn't get moments ago, we didn't get before the break, we didn't get excessive app intrusions, we didn't get 999 left and right, except for that jingle commercial, which was kind of funny. Um, everything, well, we that two we about, <laughs> everything that we complained about for the last couple of weeks was not eradicated completely, but it was diminished. Like I said earlier, it was a tighter more well-rounded yet focused show. And, and I have to applaud them for that. I, maybe, maybe I missed a few, but I really think that they, they minimize everything. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's because they listen to both um, the raw you know, reaction and wrestling to the max. That's just my opinion. <laughs> It'd be great if they did. But, yeah, I mean – I totally agree with you. This is something we've complained about so many times that the recaps are getting ridiculous and, you know, the the constant, like, filler stuff and having short matches don't mean anything. They cut all of that out and had a really good show. Most of it was, I mean, pretty much all of it was doing something with the pay-per-view except for maybe a couple things. And, and even then, at least something, some of it had to do with something correlating with things that have happened before. So it's just, uh, and I actually wanted to say that uh, these two commercials they aired for the network, aside from the NXT stuff from last week, I think have done more for me wanting, I already have the network, but if I didn't have it, I would want uh, to have the network after I watched both of those commercials. I don't understand why it took them so long to make commercials for the network. It's like people don't – that's what you need to get them to, you know, short, quick, this is what's on here, and get it in a way that's going to get them to, to really want it and not this this elongated, stupid $9.99, we're going to shove it down your throat thing because that just makes you want to hate it instead of loving it. Right. Yeah, I don't know whose idea it was. I mean – I, I mentioned to um, Harry and a few other people that, you see, they it's not that I think the WWE thinks we are stupid. It's just that I think that they think they're way too smart. And it's very obvious a lot of the things they do, such as this whole 999 thing. What they wanted to do was create a chant. What they wanted to do was implement it into their show to the point where we got tired of it so that we wouldn't stop mentioning it. How many times do you see jokes about it on the boards, on, on the Raw recap, on our show? How, many, how often do we mention it 
regardless of whether we like it or not, we're still talking about it. <clears throat> they did all of that on purpose. So it's in our brain. It's there. The issue is you're talking to people who already have the damn thing. And if you, they don't, they're getting, they're getting bothered. They're getting bothered by it, you know. And I'm not going to get it if you keep shoving it down our throat. Show us what's really on there. Show us a glimpse of NXT like you did last week. That alone will, pe- will drive people to spend $10 a month, you know. And um, I, I think that that has worked much more. And then when they remove it from a show like tonight, everything else just seems to flow better. Exactly. But you got to be careful yeah. with the NXT stuff, though. You can't do that every week, or then it doesn't become special. Right, yeah, I don't I don't want them to do it every week. I thought that was a great um, great mention. I thought that that was good enough to bring them, you know, let let them let viewers know that this is what's going on over at NXT. Like, hey, check this shit out. You can't see this every week on Raw. Check out NXT. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, they got – who do they got over there now? You see pictures of people that – if okay, because we know who they are, Prince Devitt, you know, Kenta, uh, Steen even, just because we know who these guys are doesn't mean that the general population does. And I can almost guarantee that once they see them, you know, they're going to latch on. Because especially with the product that they see on Raw, Raw's tired, Raw's boring, Raw isn't all that great anymore. So you see these new fresh faces, at least new and fresh to a majority of the people watching, they're going to fall in love with it. And, and it gives hope to the future, really. And as monikers as it sounds, it's just, it's pretty awesome to see. Yeah, that's what I got out of it. It's just, it was so refreshing. It was like somebody hit the reset button and go, here, let's just have four awesome guys have a match. And it's like, wow, this just feels so new. Even though we see these guys on NXT every week, it just felt different to see them on Raw. Yeah, I really liked it. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to switch. We're going to skip a commercial break. Um, Typically, this is the time where I give Harry the floor to talk about whatever he wants. Since Harry's not here, well, he is kind of here. He's lurking in the background, I think, laughing at us while he's eating leftovers from Benihana's. Um, We're going to let you take over, Sean. So um, let's see. I believe what you're going to be doing is what did I call it? Sean Slam. <laughs> yes. How cheesy. Um, all right. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, go ahead and bring up what you want to talk about, and the floor is completely yours. I'll, I'll retort afterwards. Yeah, this this uh, main event, it, we already talked about the Reigns and Rollins match, so there's kind of no point of getting into that. But the main event, look, again, give W props for wanting to put a new guy up there, or sort of neat, you know, younger guy in, in the main event and whatnot. Uh, I give him props for doing that kind of stuff instead of just shoving Cena down there or shoving somebody else that we see all the time. And I, it, Tony brought up the whole September 11 thing, but it's just, I, I just, to me, it's old hat at this point. I understand that at some point they did get the fans to chant the USA and all that, but Mark Henry's not the guy. Uh, there was I didn't feel any emotion in any of that. There was not there were there was points during the Swagger and Zeb stuff where I kind of felt like yeah America you know whatever. I didn't feel any of that with this. It felt as as, as Tony said forced. It felt so fake. Uh, the stuff with Lana seemed like it. Went, I mean I love Lana and I have no I could watch her do stuff all day, but 
you know, at some point, like, what she was saying coming out of her mouth, just, it felt like it was going on and on and on. And, yeah, just, I just felt like the segment just was like, man, this is where you're going to end Raw? Ugh. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to go go ahead and agree with you. I, I feel that, um, yeah, like you alluded to and like I did say earlier, I think that they wanted to be patriotic. They wanted this to be pro-America and really give it a, um, a big, big-time, you know, appeal. But Henry's best when he's talking shit, um, not when he's pro-America and really rallying the troops, if you will. Uh, moreover, it's just, it was a moment that the crowd wasn't into. They wedded Mark Henry. Mark Henry is an amazing dude on the mic, and he was forced to go this route by the writers, by the bookers, whatever it may be. And it just it didn't work. It didn't work at all. It felt really flat, and it felt forced. And whenever you force patriotism, it comes off as extremely cheesy, you know? So it, it just... I get what they were doing. I get why they were doing it, but I, I agree with you completely. I didn't think it worked. It should not have ended. It would have been much more effective if it wasn't the main event uh, segment, if it ended, if they did that before the actual main event match with Rain standing tall at the end of the show, or even if they did the Cena and Brock thing to end the show. Both of those would have been better choices, and it would have ended the the match. I mean, I'm sorry, the show just beautifully, as opposed to this where you're kind of like, all right, when's it going to end? This is a hell of an overrun. Can we get this going? It was just all bad. And that's not the way you want people to remember you're at the end of your show. Cause that's what a lot of people remember is the end. And when yeah. you go, oh, yeah, I just kind of want it to be over now so I can watch something else. You know, that, that football game that was on was like they wound up tied for almost all of it. I think I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, because they had a real halftime. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that regards, wasn't even halftime. By the time he went on, it was like a little bit more than halftime. Yeah, I didn't really fully understand why or what they were doing. It, you know, typical WWE. They they just latched on to something that they thought would bring. At least they gave Kali something people. to do. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Something to do outside of the ring. Um, <laughs> All right, so before before I get into my uh, my final do and talk about something that I just I have to get off my chest, um, let's you know focus on the a few other things that happened on Raw. The uh, you know I'll just mention it and then you can give your piece on it how you feel. The six man tag. Do you think it was good? Do you think it was bad? Do you think it was effective? Oh, it was great. I think it was probably probably the best match on the show. I think I think even better than Reigns and Rollins. It was really fun. Uh, served its purpose. Uh, and 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 I think uh, the right guys went over at the end. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun too. Um, I mean, it's a six-man tag match. They just can't do those wrong for some reason. And um, you know, it's it's good stuff. Uh, <coughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I'm really I was really happy with it. Um, what about the um, you know the Divas tag match? Divas Tag Match was fine. Uh, way better than having another Growing Up Bella segment or another, you know, Bella's talking crap about each other that makes me not care at all. Um, it's, again, serves its purpose. Y'all mentioned Paige was dominating. Uh, and then you have the stuff with Nikki taking out Brie at the end, which, again, sells the feud without having to have lame talking crap. Right. It's a wrestling show, and they actually wrestled. Um, 
you know, it's, it just makes sense. It's, it's one of those things that it's the easiest way to book a show, and yet they don't go that route. Sometimes the easiest way is the best way, you know. It's the whole KISS message. method, just keep it simple, stupid. Otherwise, you're going to get crap that we've seen the past couple of weeks. This tag team match was more effective than anything we've seen in the past couple of weeks. The only thing that really upset me was the fact that, you know, Nikki could have really damaged AJ's face. And, I mean, that's just not cool. Yeah, that is not cool, exactly. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, glad the Paige's cool face didn't get messed up either. Yeah, she. Uh, I, I do have to applaud Paige. I mentioned it before. She kind of, it felt at least, of course I wasn't in the ring with them as much as I would like to be, but it felt like she really ran that. Like she was helping them. She was guiding them into, you know, everything. And I, I thought I thought that, that, that it went really well. Um, it's a shame that AJ didn't get much, um, you know, in the way of, actual action, but she was able to mock Paige and kind of get one up on her on the outside of the ring. So either way, I'll keep it. I, I'm okay with it. Um, I want to move on real quick to uh, <clears throat> the uh, my final duo of the evening and, and kind of go from there. <clears throat> okay, so the last two uh, highlights for me were positive about Raw and were things that I thought they did really well. Now I'm going to bring up some stupid shit, okay? Um, Okay, Cameron needs to just go away. Alright, she just needs to do anything but wrestle. You could be on Total Divas all you want. I don't care. You could be the new, you know, uh, Sandra and help the wardrobe section. You could do anything but wrestle. Um, while watching the this, this show, while watching Cameron's match with Naomi, I thought to myself, she actually has improved a little bit. She's not as sloppy as she used to be. And I've always been a long supporter of someone who was in wrestling getting the proper practice and spotlight on the main, on the main show so that you can work out those kinks and you can work out whatever it is inside of you that doesn't allow you to perform well. But she tried to pin Naomi while Naomi was on her stomach. What? The fuck? <laughs> okay? And how? And why? And when? I mean, is this even, like, how long has she been doing this? It wasn't, you can't even blame it on a gimmick. You can't say that, oh, she's just so into herself that she didn't care. You know, she's yelling at the ref to count the, you know, count the pin. Count it, like, two, three times, you know? And this just brings me right back to who she is and how she's been and how she's just inconsistent with character. She, she's really not a good performer inside or outside of the ring. She's extremely annoying, even if it is just a persona. It's a really bad one. <laughs> and it just, uh, it really bothered me. Yeah, I, I can uh, see what you're saying. Uh, her personality, just like Eva's, works great on Total Divas. It does not work great on... TV on Raw. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I can buy the. I mean, they did a wonderful job of making you try to feel for Cameron on Total Divas this week. Of, oh, you know, uh, Cameron's does all this hard work and whatever. And then you know you want to feel bad for her, and then she does stuff like what happened tonight. That is just. Look, uh, I I know you've been in there. I've been in there. Harry's been a part of that. 
you know, that's just ridiculous. And I thought only Taryn Terrell was going to hold that record, and look at what Taryn's done now. Uh, I don't know that Cameron's going to be able to uh, live through this. I mean, that, that's crazy. You know you made a mistake, and instead of covering for it, you just go, let me count? Like, there's nothing he can do at that point. Like, the ref's just standing there like, well, idiot, you got to turn her over. I mean, like, that would just break every rule of freaking wrestling. I mean, <laughs> We're going to count with her face down for you just because it's you? Like, you know, um, and then, you know, the, just the botchiness and the missing spots and, yeah, yeah just, ugh. I don't know what to say. Because I give them props for actually going off something that had to do with Total Divas that happened yesterday that makes sense that still had, like, impact from – they kind of never finished that storyline, but now I kind of like, well, who gives a shit, you know? Like, just please, can we not have them wrestle again? Because it's just never been good at all. <laughs> yeah, it's... She's just... I don't I mean, I... I do my best not to say that any one person doesn't deserve to be with the company, um, but, man... What is it? You know, what's keeping And, and her what's the whole thing of like, okay, so you're just gonna look in a mirror and that's your character? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, it's you know, you know, the the thing is what what's funny about Cameron is that her persona, if you will, because of course I want to assure that this isn't me talking shit about the person behind it. She may be a very nice person, but her entire image is not new. I see this everywhere. I've seen this girl before. I've dated this girl before. Um, it was short-lived, and it was mostly for sex. But it's I've seen it, you know. There, there's a vanity behind it. There's a certain way they talk with their hands. There's a, there's a whole subset of culture. And this isn't, this isn't a racial thing. It used to be, but it's not. This isn't specific to black females. This is a, a female-empowered image that just comes off as excessively aggressive for no reason. And the type that talk using big words that they don't fully know what they mean the thing is, as a person, you're not supposed to like that person. On a wrestling show, she's not going to get the proper build for it. So she just comes off as awkwardly snooty. You know, it's, it's like if you're not a main character, if you're not in – it's like any story. If you're just there and your personality is too strong, then you're going to automatically shut out the entire audience to the point where no one will care about her. And that's exactly what's going to happen if it hasn't already happened with her. Yep. You brought up the exact point I was going to make, that she doesn't have the vehicle. On Paul Divas, she does. But even then, yeah. they don't want to make them be this totally terrible person on Total Divas unless you're Summer Rae. And <laughs> that, like, you know... It, she doesn't have that ability on Raw to just or, – or they don't want to make her because she's not the focal point of the Divas division where she can just go around being a bitch to everybody. She can't do that right now. So she's just kind of, like you said, there, and it's just like, okay, you're here. I know you can't wrestle, so I don't care, and you're bringing Naomi down. And this is one of those times where like they might have a lot of chemistry as far as tag team goes, but they have – Terrible chemistry in the ring. I don't think Cameron has good chemistry with anybody in the ring. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know. Yeah. 
All right, well, that brings us to um, pretty much the end of the show. What we're going to do is our final take. Um, um, I'm not sure if you did it with Harry or not last time you were on, but basically you're going to give us what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show, a final rating, and why you gave it that rating. Um, so let's just head there. It's the final take. I, I use that soundbite mainly because Harry doesn't like when we do it. Um, I just have to. I, it reminds me of, of Joe Bluth every time. Um, and, you know, Arrested Development is and always will be the shit. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and start tonight, Sean. Just give me what you like, didn't like, and then, you know, rating and why. Totally agree with you on the uh, Joe Bluth and using the final countdown. Awesome. Uh yes. We we pretty much said it. The wrestling was great, which is something that has been lacking in the last couple of weeks. Uh, that puts the show, for me, in a higher category than if you would have had a lot of storyline and not. Um, everything built, most of it built to uh, Night of Champions, uh, and you also had the Swagger Bro Dallas thing that was been, has been building, so at least that built something. The only oddball thing that we had was Cameron Naomi, and that was terrible. And that was really the only terrible, terrible thing that happened on this show. Uh, even Kali being the bodyguard uh, to keep uh, Paul Heyman out was funny because you had funny segments that, I, you know, with uh, who the hell knew Cena knew how to talk Punjabi. Uh, and, I, and I had somebody in, in the WTM group that apparently knows how to speak that, and he said that Cena apparently did it exactly the way it should have been. So uh, I, I'm going to go with a... So there was really only one terrible thing on the show. Uh, I'm going to say like an 8 uh, for the rating. And just, you know, that was it was a solid show that really didn't have a lot wrong with it. And the wrestling was pretty spot on as well. I mean, you could nitpick it a little bit. But I think the matches probably overperformed for some of the performers that were in them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 8 out of 10, that equates to a B. So we'll give it that in your uh, rating. Myself, personally, I'm going to go a little higher and give it an A-, minus, mainly because I've been so hard on Raw the past few weeks. I have really disliked the show. It's really taken me out of wrestling fandom for, like, almost a month now. Not to say that I didn't ever go anywhere. It's simply the fact that, like, it's a chore to watch, especially considering I cannot move from my seat for three hours. It's like torture. Um, this week was it was not only a return to form, but it was a return to actual wrestling. Everything was going the right direction, and um, uh, I, I think my favorite segment was hard to choose, mainly because everything worked so well. I love the six-man tag. Even Cena, Brock, their interaction was exciting. Um, it reinvigorated the, the, the momentum that that feud had going for it. As much as I don't like AJ and Paige being uh, involved with the, Diva, with the Bellas, uh, storyline, I see why they did it, and at the very least, they gave us wrestling this week instead of some bullshit. The only thing I didn't like was Cameron, and really, I mean, if, if you give me a Raw where five minutes of it was something that was complete crap and the rest was either good to great, then I'm going to give it a good rating. They did all the right things, no recaps, no excessive 999 things, and when they did, it was actually kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, A- minus for me, definitely. 
All right, so that brings us pretty much to the end of the show. Before we go, I want to give you an opportunity, Sean, to tip out your podcast, Wrestling to the Max, as well, and just say what you got to say, and then we'll head out. All right, well, if you don't know, um, I'm a writer on 401, just like Tony. And I, uh, this week, I'm actually doing something in the wrestling zone that's not the podcast, uh, study roundtable. Uh, I organized that. Um, maybe not Tony, but uh, some of the other guys that write in the full uh, wrestling zone, they will be giving their thoughts or predictions on uh, what's going to happen in Night of Champions. So you can read that on Saturday morning. And, of course, Russ is the Max podcast. We've been doing it on Tuesdays lately. We're hoping to go back to Mondays after uh, this show ends. Um, you know, it, I, I've plugged it a lot on here so i'm gonna try not to totally just keep plugging it but uh just you know if if it's three guys we're real wrestling fans that talk wrestling we review raw tna and nxt every week and then we just kind of talk about the shows just like you know they do raw here we just do it with those three shows and then we kind of have news and other stuff that we we do so if you're looking for another podcast uh just Give us a shot, and if you like it, you know, join the Facebook group and let us know, or, or go on Twitter on uh, at wrestling to the uh, wrestling two max on Twitter and tweet tweet me about it. So, um, yeah, and I I'm mostly in the game zone too, doing reviews, and I organized the games top five, and I took over the four PC for Randall. I guess that makes me the uh, personal Randall takeover person since I've taken over <laughs> almost everything he's done now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's yeah we you know the raw reaction fully supports you and anything you want to pimp so there's never too much um you can talk about whatever you want on here i know i do um so yeah we we do it's a lot it is a fun group over there um you know i joined your guys show once and they do talk about stuff that i don't even watch so it's it's good for a more well-rounded view aside from just raw they they handle a lot over there so I encourage everyone to check it out. Again, check us out on 411mania.com. I'll see you next week with Harry. Uh, Have a good night.